today is March 1st, 2023. Um, new month. New month. Came unexpectedly this morning. I thought I had more February, but then <laughs> such a short month. It's a great way to put it. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, now we're here in March. Um, yeah. And I'm thankful to have someone who expresses interest in me on this podcast. His name is David Chen. That's me. That's me. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Today was a good day. I will admit, I think I have chosen to, um, I guess, experience a lot of my day recently while high. Um, mm. Not a lot, though, like microdose, right? I'm talking like five milligrams less. Um, but I have been very liberal with it. Like I've got, I went to a history seminar today on whether or not history can make us happy. Um, mm. Very fascinating by itself. But that's, it would be here and there, but... Um, We'll, we'll we get to that later on the line, but I went to Quidditch practice and I had residual feeling too, um, which was mm. dope. But it definitely it, it raises your heart rate, so exercise is really cardio, especially, is kind of a bad idea because your yeah. heart you can't really control your heart rate very well. Um, but yeah, I think I think I really got to think about moderation here and and be mindful of when I decide to use them, um, because again. I don't want to approach this with escapism, right? I want to be very intentional with the usage of such powerful forces to change, to alter the state of your consciousness. Um, wait, wait, I'm sorry. What did you microdose? I missed that. THC. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, well, I actually smoked a joint last night. Oh, what the? And yeah, I just like, oh, I've been, been quite lonely and I was watching a movie and I was like, I think this would, I would enjoy this high. You have <laughs> so, a joint? Well, Sophia has tons of weed, so I just like, <laughs> raided her room and, and lit it on the stove and smoked it. No fucking uh, way! Oh my god! Of course. <laughs> yeah, it's it's chill. It's we. You know the kitchen's like off on a deck. You open the windows. It's like uh, it's very chill. Dude, kind of its own separate space. Dude, if I mean, if your relationship with weed is is good enough, where we can maybe like, I can totally imagine the two of us in that kitchen, lighting it up and just talking about the, <laughs> the coolest shit. <laughs> yeah it would be cool and it, it's it's got a nonchalant um vibe to it which is nice what was it indica um yeah exactly and just smoking weed in general like the thoughts they come but they're not scary you know or at least to me yeah well i mean i think i i can definitely i have definitely been more ruminative especially when like something happens with anna and mm. like it just sneaks up on me it can be a little bit jarring but for the most part, I think <clears throat> I'm really beginning to understand that, like, I can be very high functioning while I'm high. Like, yes, mm. I recognize that if you, if you, again, it's like, it's about following the fractal of thought, right? If you really dig deep into one, like, ruminate onto one thing, you can. But if, you, yeah. if you're able to maintain, like, a, a bird's eye view of your thoughts and the creativity just flows. I mean, it really just, you're hit with these amazing ideas. And the thing is, you don't remember them most of the time. So yeah. normally, you want something to record your thoughts down. You record the kind of contours of your of your of your thoughts. But I'm yeah. curious for you, how did how did it feel? Did it it was just relaxing or? Yeah, it was nice. I mean, I will say, after I finished the movie, my mind just kind of goes haywire and like, and not not in a stressed way or or like an overwhelmed way. But it's more just like I have a really hard time staying focused when I'm high. Like right, a well, really, really hard time. It's yeah, you're definitely not meant, especially if you did a lot. I mean, were you? Was it a pretty big dose, like multiple puffs? I was pretty high, yeah, uh, multiple puffs. Um, but but it is the same every single time. Like no matter how little or more I take, I just like lose focus. And what that means is it's kind of hard to stay focused on just the present moment, which it's kind of what this is all about so that's why i do it in moderation i do it before bed usually not never never during the day does it affect your sleep like do you wake up groggy yeah i actually woke up pretty depressed today <laughs> mm. and um i don't get the best sleep but i did have some crazy dreams i forgot w exactly what happened oh. but i remember waking up like what the fuck and usually i don't dream when i'm high so i think i smoked just yeah. the right amount to where it wore off by the time i got to rem 
Mm. Like I think my best sleep has always been when it fades. Like when I time it where I take it at like eight or nine, and by the time I go to bed, it like pretty much fades. Exactly. I get the best sleep when that happens because first of all, you're like mentally tired, right? Because you, you you do go through a lot of thinking and a lot of brain power, honestly, and you're just yeah. like head empty, no thoughts. You can just go to bed like that. Um, exactly. Did you listen to music? Like, or did you just watch? Oh, uh, I did. I did. I did put some nice music music on. Um, and then I just listened to a history podcast and faded off, mm. and it was good. Um, I love a history, po- good history podcast, man. Mm. That that shit is beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So, but the movie though, is that what is that what caught your attention? Oh, well, I just actually, I just watched a movie uh, thirty minutes ago, mm. um, called Honey Boy, and it's about Shia LaBeouf's life. Oh. Yeah, and uh, more specifically, his relationship with his abusive father. Mm. And um, man, that shit struck a chord with me. It, it wasn't even like the best movie I've ever seen, but it got the emotional connection that I needed, you know? Mm. And um, once it was over, I just started playing music. That reminded me of uh, good old Pops and my mom and... Um, yeah, I just started, I've been sobbing last hour. So I'm in this like post-sob resting state. Mm. I'm sure yeah. you've been here before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's basically that's where LSD takes you, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, maybe maybe shrooms more. LSD is more pew-pew lasers type vibes. Um, yeah. Shrooms definitely takes me to that kind of mystical emptiness. That Yeah, that's <laughs> a good way to put it. <laughs> Yeah. And nothing so, uh, but shimmering. Ooh, yeah, shimmering. Hmm. Yeah. But um damn. You know, int- I I also had a brief crying moment. I I also watched a movie that was fucking sad, bro, cuz it hit for me at least. It's called Grave of the Fireflies. Have you heard of it? Yeah, you told me on last episode. Oh, okay, so I did tell you, right? And it basically yeah. it's like the you know, Japanese perspective of when we retaliated and bombed the shit out of cities um civilians you know we were killing civilians um yeah and it's basically the story of an orphaned pair of siblings right a a young older brother 12 years old and Mm. a little sister and it starts this is what fucks you up right it starts with the older brother dying alone abandoned in a train station it starts so you know it ends like that and then you find out Mm. that his younger sister, four years old, just innocent, innocent, and just, uh, just even in the middle of war, chooses to play, right? And has this uh, just shining innocence, right? Yeah. In another sense, it's also nothingness, but shining because it's nothingness. It's when you feel obligated for nothing is when you decide to play. And that's what children are, right? And you mm. see this beautiful, beautiful child and, you know, there's malnourishment. They can't find food, and eventually she dies of malnourishment, right? Yeah. And it ends there, but, but you know, you know that the brother continues on suffering until he mm. eventually almost dies of grief, I think, or dies of no purpose. His parents both die, and then finally yeah. his younger sister. Just it got me to the point where I forgot how to cry. I. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. cry anymore. Yeah, um, no, I get that. Um, but but it, for me, it feels good. It feels good. Well, I wish I did too, because I know it feels good and it's cathartic. Um, but yeah, I mean, a- anything specific that struck that resonant tor- tone with you? Yeah, <sighs> I mean, I think you know how complicated a relationship with a father can be. Oh, yeah. But but I've noticed that we've we've never really delved into specifics. On mm. Really, just never. I've never even... I don't even know your dad's name. I don't even Mine, like... Me neither to you. I just know that he cooks. <laughs> Isn't that kind of, kind of crazy? Like, yeah. these people are so much of us in a way. And we can't even name each other's fathers, you know? Um, but I feel like we have, have spoken about them, right? But just never in a yeah. personal taste sense of way. 
Yeah, but man, it's just, I had an interesting relationship with my father, especially just early on, you know? I mean, we're talking about someone who has issues. Yeah. Someone who has real issues. He he would tell me stories about his father and, and, and my grandpa on my dad's side, I mean, abandoned my dad uh, when he's a teenager and uh, cheated on his mom, was an alcoholic, would fight with my dad all the time. And like my dad told me stories of like straight up fist fighting him and all that, all that stuff. So, of course, um, being his son and, you know, he's never had therapy before, I, I get some of the residual Freudian baggage from all of that you know yeah so um yeah um wait can you hear me my yeah i can hear you You just sound really far now Fuck! i think i accidentally disconnected my mic somehow oh oh yeah it's mac macbook pro microphone built in oh you see it on my end yeah it's it says what mic you're using the macbook pro mic damn it um oh and i can't switch it back i can i can um I can end and start again. All right. Are we back in the Yep, we're good. The abyss? All right. The, um, I, I really appreciate, <laughs> by the way, um, <laughs> what you said about like it de- this dematerializes us. I absolutely agree. That was such a good, such a big brain way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I hope this is, um, I hope this kind of somewhat resembles the afterlife at some point. <laughs> I can just like spin around to these Zen casters and like truly connect with all these people that I've had um, a longing to my whole life. That's a good story. That's a good story to believe in. Yeah. But Um, yeah. So your grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a long story. I, I don't want to make this like just straight up. I I agree. It's psychoanalysis. No, I mean, we don't have to label it either, but. What stories just but, bubble up right now to you when it comes to, and I'll share you mine as well, because I have recency bias. I'm sure there's, I'll say just like one, like apparently one of the stories is my dad would like ride us on his shoulders, like we'll sit on his shoulders, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really yeah. like know about like door heights. So one day he was like running and we just, I was on his shoulder and I slammed into the the top part of a door, right? Because he <laughs> forgot about height difference. Yeah. Um, and I had a concussion as a baby. And so my mom like never trusted him to hold me ever again. Really? So just from that point on, like there was a detachment of touch. Right. Like I don't ever remember my, my dad, like, like carrying us when we were growing up. It was always my mom or, you know, on a stroller. Mm. And I think yeah. it comes from that moment, which was an accident. Right. But still my mom lost all trust in that regard. And maybe yeah. my dad too, to a certain extent, lost trust in himself. Yeah, I mean, that's a bummer. And, like, I, I remember my dad and I, we always used to, like, cuddle up on the couch uh, and watch TV, like, as a family. Um, and then one day that just stops, Yeah, you know? And I just don't know when. Um, when I just stopped being physically affectionate with my father, you know? Yeah. But at some point it did happen. Um and it, it's weird. It just all came bubbling up at the same time. Like like the best memories, like just like being in the kitchen, playing like REM and shit, watching him cook. Like we had like a little cooking show together on like the VHS camera, all that stuff. But that that also like at the same time, like getting picked up from kindergarten and him just like absolutely screaming at me at the top of his lungs and like hitting me, why smacking me, kicking me. Yeah, I know. I always ask myself that. I'm like, I just couldn't. When I see a child walking, <laughs> I the last thing on my mind is that I want to hurt this thing. You know, it is truly such a sensitive sponge to this world, and um, inflicting harm on something like that is just—I don't get it. I just don't get how much frustration a five-year-old can really cause an adult. You know. So like, you don't even know what he was frustrated at you for? Oh, well, I mean, it was anger outbreaks at school. Oh, oh you so he's picking you up. Yeah, because the uh, principal would... Yeah, I mean, here's how the story goes. My dad would be all up on his Vicodin and vodka and then like get a call from the principal and like, oh, your son was biting the teacher or hitting a kid or got on a fight. And then my dad would come driving up, pick me up, 
put me in the truck, and then just unload on me verbally and physically, mm. you know? Um, yeah, and I just like, huh. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, it's just such a weird way of going about parenting. It's like, I am having anger outbreaks because this is how dealing with that emotion has been modeled to me. Yeah. Wow. And then the moment I get in the car, you just do this exact same thing I did. <laughs> I mean, the way you put it, that's, that's really j- jarringly clear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's wow. just like, I, I think my parents had some belief that I was just born that way because my brother wasn't as angry as me. Uh Um, But my brother does have anger issues as well. Just kind of different, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and I I have countless stories and and it went as far as like tennis, like memories of just arguing with him while playing was the actual like bane of my existence. I I remember I was playing... um, Number one at Buhack junior year. I forgot his name, but um, I was up two sets. Uh, I mean, I was up one set, and then I was up literally 5 1 the last set. And he came back and took one set off, took that set off of me, won literally all of them straight, and then won the third set off of me in the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. So um, I remember that match the whole time I was literally arguing with my dad. At like like in the middle of points, I would be yelling at him while he's yelling at me. Hmm. Like, oh, you're going to act like that when I like took all this time to get off of work and come down here. Like, I, I do this for you. Like, I came all the way down here to watch you. And I'm literally like, bro, just stop yelling at me while I'm playing. And And there's just like a crowd full of people just like watching this unfold. And I'm just like getting humiliated. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and then at the end of the match, I'll never forget, I walked up to shake the guy's hand and I, I just couldn't contain myself and I chucked the racket um, just down the down the courts, up, up to the second court towards the pool. And uh, as I'm walking up, my dad's like, Mom, and keep in mind, the whole fucking team is watching. I was last on. Dad yells, mommy and daddy aren't gonna buy you any more like fucking rackets like if you keep throwing them you fucking bitch Mm. and uh, at that point my my humility uh and uh dignity just felt like it completely exploded yeah i was just like wow i'm i'm at the lowest of lows you know and then um and then so i just went driving just went driving that day just drove around town and um I uh, ended up going home finally, and the first right out the gate, I, I I just tried being like, Dad, like you gotta just chill when you're at my matches. And then we ended up just screaming at each other again, like, No, like you're a like you're you're acting like a little bitch. Go cry in your car, you bitch. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like how how do we both love each other? And we're just so we've landed so off target so off target that like you're just insulting me i i don't understand how that even happens or when like where or when or who told him that that's good parenting i just don't understand or like is he even present in those actions like oh and and that's post rehab that's post drug addiction and alcohol you know so he was sober for all this yeah so uh, i don't we never brought it and we we never apologized to each other we never talked about it Mm. um just slowly faded away and then we just moved on right right those to me are the are the worst the ones that never were returned to yeah like as if we can erase that from our memories and just pretend it never happened that's to me the worst feeling um of like a following week when we're all laughing and I'm like, you don't remember any of this, do you? Or like, do you not remember any of this? Uh, would you choose not to? But yeah, I look, I, I hear you, but I can't fully grasp. And I'm curious. So like, like he would use those words like bitch. Like he would just straight up call you a bitch. Yeah, he, yeah he'd call me a bitch or a pussy or 
whiny little bitch was a was a one for sure. Um, my dad was always putting me down, calling me a bitch, and my brother was always um, calling me a faggot and like gay slurs and stuff like that. Right. So Jeez. that's that I mean, was kind of the the double attack. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I think that's. I'll just say this short thought, and I'll I'll, I'll look to hear more about what you're thinking still, but yeah, please. I think as I'm discovering more in myself and you know me, like I, I've had my baby fever moments of really wanting to raise kids and thinking about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, me but too. I think the more I'm coming into my, into a humility of myself, the more I'm becoming scared of just the tremendous, like I, I I've been thinking about this a lot to become a parent is to become like God. You are bringing in new life and they, you know, for the first few months, a baby thinks that they're still part of you, specifically the mother, but also I'm sure the father, if they're close enough. I they did th- read this, yeah. They yeah. think that they are literally a part of, still a part of you. Yeah. Right? An organ. Yeah. And only se- self-awareness and, and, and the ego only build up uh, like, what, 15 months plus? Um, you are literally a gods to them parents parents are our first gods they Mm. are our first introduction to faith into belief that they are there and that love is present Mm. and it is from those very beginnings where either trauma or health can be established whether or not i recently wrote down in my journal rationality is the trauma response of a soul that has been hurt for believing Rationality is the trauma response. Wow. For a soul being hurt for believing. Because rationality, we don't we don't need to depend on any anyone for rationality. We don't need to mm. depend on anything we cannot trust. Right? The, the the God is logic here. That is the supernatural force that we can trust. And it shows up for us every single time. That is how we found enlightenment. That's what. That's why people chose enlightenment over Protestantism, is because they they were hurt. They feel parts of their identity and perhaps their parents too. <laughs> I, I I can't believe I'm talking about pre enlightenment parents and how they fucked up their kids to become enlightened. Um, or, or yeah, and even goes in in that case, it goes beyond. It's just society as a whole in the way. Oh yeah, weaponized against them. Yeah, I mean, we are products of an entire genealogy of parenting, an entire genealogy of gods that that failed in many ways, but but also succeeded in many ways too, right? And it's this multiplicity, this inability to judge, right? We can't. I at least I have given up trying to judge my parents. The closest thing I can come to is understand them or attempt to. Yeah, that's what I do as well. Yeah. Right. Um and yeah, and I think the the fact that this podcast even exists means that some parents succeeded. Who knows if it's even ours, but you know, like someone succeeded. <laughs> and so like there's there's victories and I think my parents have many of those. Right. But definitely. also many failures. And time yeah. and again, in this case, from what I can tell, like maybe maybe your dad as a human was really struggling with their self-identity and so they were they were projecting hard on an image of themselves the closest image to themselves honestly of their own flesh and blood and they see contempt because they hold contempt within themselves exactly right and because like I, I, I hear a lot that like you say like I just don't I just don't get how he would do this or I don't understand how he would do this and I would ask these same exact questions whenever I would get into really really rough conversations with my parents who at some points would say say things that either completely contradict what they say to me when they're not angry or just say things that that betray my trust because I I know they honestly I think they know that I know that what they are saying is targeted to hurt me 
Like、mm. they know where my weaknesses are. They know where I depend a lot of my social well-being in, and they'll dig into it. Right? They'll、yeah. say like, no one, no one honestly really likes you. They all see you as this, you know, braggy kid. Right? And that like that one cuts deep. Right? Um, and that's a betrayal of trust, because those are your wounds on your soul, and they choose to dig their fingers into it. The、mm. people that help grew this heart, right? It's 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 a failure of ginormous proportion that I don't think parents. I think parents are afraid of recognizing what they did, right? I mean, imagine if you even accidentally hurt your child so deeply like that to. To have known them their entire lives, literally, so that you know their deepest weaknesses and insecurities, and in a moment of weakness and anger, you choose to dig right into that. Yeah, and it's it's brutal. It's brutal, and, and what's more brutal, I think, is that it's like it's like you know the cry of passion where a lover kills his his other his partner, and he just stands over the body like shaken and completely shocked that he would do something like this. That's,、yeah. I think, what parents deal with all the time when they realize that they've hurt their child, and what、yeah. they do—the most fucking coward thing to do—and I'm not making a judgment. I'm just putting the emotional valence onto it because I get—I think most of us would respond this way: is that we will ignore it, we will forget, we will try and forget it, we will push by it, say that oh, this hurt, that's okay, well, we can just move on, right? I I can move on from this, but we forget just how us. Just how plastic our children are, how、yeah. molding, how and how we mold them with every breath we take towards them. I know, I know. It's an, it's 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 crazy, you know. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So I guess I've just been looking back. Yeah. And um, um, just got a text from Sophia. Well, she, <laughs> she said, she, "Bra." She said, "Bra." I'm sorry, I left you solo at the crib again. I've fallen into a hole at home. Oh shit! I'm guessing metaphorical, right? Metaphorical, yeah. <laughs> you know, they have a giant fucking hole in their <laughs> backyard. Hole in their dug. backyard that just <laughs> swallows people every so often. Yeah.、Um, so I've been looking back, and and are there are there answers back there? Like, have you have you researched psychoanalysis? Have you tried it? And and have you formulated thoughts about it? And how do they intertwine with your spirituality? Like you're you're straight up asking me. I'm straight up asking you, David.、Hmm. Because、yeah. I think so much of what we do is is is. Centered around presence, you know. Yeah.、Um, but I think you and I have undeniable trauma, and, and what does that mean? What does that mean in this journey? And like, and and it does dictate the way we behave, and whether we like it or not, it does make up the present moment. Yeah. I think. I think. Interestingly enough, I've never actually read any. I think I've been in contact with a lot of ideologies of psychotherapy, but I've never quote unquote read. Psychotherapy, and I'm honestly glad that I don't, because this is maybe、huh. where I I maybe digress a bit from your 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 experiences with cognitive behavioral therapy and like powerful psychotherapy has been in like explaining a lot of the the complexities of your life, but in general,、um, I think psychology is one of the most、uh, how do I put it like. It is, in some sense, as pliable as history. In the fact that it it tells stories of the human consciousness, that is deeply interpretable. That is like there's a lot of other ways to explain consciousness and how we obtain our personality and behavior from our past and our history.、Um, and psychotherapy has just been one interpretation of that, specifically a Western European interpretation, which has its validity, right? That's most important. It's not that. Psychological theories are wrong, but I think for some reason psychotherapy has been able to escape the critique of your 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 claims here are just stories are just stories of how the human mind works, 
in the human mind is incredibly multi- multifarious, right? It is it has layers upon layers upon layers of how it works, and to just give one interpretation of it is not enough, right? And so, you know, you hear of the Buddha's conception of how the spirit of of how the no no not Buddha sorry this is my bad this is Catholic um, how like Catholic enlightenment is the spirit of God crossing the crown of your soul. You think of crown, you think of head, right? Your cranium, the crown of your soul, and that is how wisdom is received, right? Um, psychotherapy doesn't get into that, right? But I still like whenever I think of wonder. That's what I visualize. Um, this is a slight digression of like, I guess the answer part of your question of like, have I read anything in psychotherapy about it? I haven't read anything specific. And most of my, I guess, epiphany surrounding parents has been through my psychedelic journeys. Um, and the one, and I think I've told you this before, right? My journey to New Hampshire. Did I tell you about this? And like how I was staring at my broth and and just realizing that all the meals my mom cooked for me build up this yeah, potty, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and getting to this point of, and this is what I hesitate when I, and maybe this will be unsatisfactory to you at first, but hopefully we can get to a point of understanding, which is the trauma that each of us have received is also very different. And I think it requires your own story of how to come across and sort out, not not sort out. I disagree with this idea of sorting and organizing because that's not how our brain works. It's still this complex web of of messiness that somehow can can also be creativity. But I think I think it takes a very important story to be able to forgive your parents for who they are while simultaneously holding a universe of gratitude for who they are. That, in essence, is love, right? Love that is unconditional. Love that we often think God provides for us, right? This type of love that is eternally forgiving, eternally understanding, and somehow as well, eternally grateful. Grateful too, and and I think we have always deserved that love from our parents, our first gods, right? We deserve that love that is unconditional, that simultaneously forgives every fault of who you are and grateful for all the gifts that you give back. Like truly that is, there is no better way to love someone in their imperfection. And so we deserve that from our parents. And I think universally it falls short or they fall short mm. because they were not, it's like chess players, right? Like chess players back in the eighties would get fucking stomped on by grandmasters of the day because they are grandmasters of the day are literally built on the games played by those prior. It's, it's like this quote I realized, like I do not have knowledge of what I've forgotten, which is like so self-evident, right? Um, maybe that's mm-hmm. kind of unrelated but um, I guess how this relates to parents is that I think what true growth is and what true healing comes from from this trauma is to give to our parents the love that we never got from them is to give back the thing that they were not able to give to us you hear that often in quotes of like, I want to be the person I needed when I was a kid. Right? You hear that a lot in like these kind of yeah. inspirational yeah. quotes. Like I no. <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. I I get that, yes. And like I do want to extend love to my parents, and I don't think psychoanalysis has ever made me I- I've actually only loved my parents more since being like psychoanalyzed i guess and and it's it's more of like a uh i don't know like this is an example of something i've that that i've been through like in a normal psychoanalytic therapy session 
Um, and it's like you you pit, you take a particular memory that that you have an emotional connection with, and um, especially one that almost puts you into like a sense of fight or flight or like irritation. That to me is trauma. You you almost isolate it and then think of you know sounds and sights and and pieces of the story that that get you almost into the same emotional state you were in when that memory was occurring in the moment right and then you are almost there in a way like if you're feeling the same emotions you felt it's as if that same uh, neural pathway is being activated that was created that day in that moment and then you get to literally write the better story like she would ask me like so what did you deserve in that moment like if you could step into your memories and give yourself what you deserved back then what would that be and so that's that's essentially the that is psychoanalysis right or at least in modern thought you don't have to think about like Freud throwing a woman down a flight of stairs or something. Like I, I, I think it's more just confronting trauma. Um, I see. And and to me, that's that's beautiful. I don't know, but I don't know how much. I think I'm just going there because I don't feel great today, and I'm just I guess I'm taking a different approach because. Well, yeah, I was going to uh, say it. It seems like you're holding up. Like something's holding you up. And I'm curious what what that is specifically. Well, no, it's not. It's not any particular memory. I, I just, I just don't know if. I just don't even confronting trauma. Like I just don't know how much of my suffering has to do with that. Has to do with confronting trauma. Has to do with like just the memories that make me up. Hmm. Like I don't know. Is it just like I? I guess I just don't know what suffering is like. I just don't know why I'm lonely and I'm just like, I just don't know why I'm lonely and I just don't want to be lonely anymore, you know? So, you know, watching that movie reminded me of a lot of like loneliness and pain I felt. And I'm just like kind of curious if that's where it stems from and if I can somehow write a better story, then um, I'll feel better. I don't know. Maybe I didn't do this ask for this podcast and i was at my best no and well i think you've been able to communicate very well your current state and i think it took me a while to truly i think understand a bit of where you are because it's not that you're it's not that you have something that you disagree with what I, with what i'm saying is that what i'm saying is not related honestly to what matters most to you right now which to me what i'm hearing is you are feeling this loneliness, this loneliness that somehow has no balm. And it makes you think about your, your raising and your parents. And obviously this movie catalyzed a lot of that thought. And the same feelings of loneliness that come from the failures of our parents as loving creatures. and with the psychotherapy involved too perhaps that perhaps that puts some existentialism in you of maybe you're lonely because of what happened when you were younger yeah i, I guess that, that is what i'm getting at and i just don't know if any of that resonates with you because or, or if that's even important um, i think because i just yeah yeah go ahead no no go ahead i i just like i guess i got frustrated today with I just tr like I just tried today, man. Like it's my day off. I just wanted to like chill. Uh huh. I just wanted to chill, <laughs> and it's just like an hour into waking up, I'm just like I want to fucking die. I just feel so unbelievably lonely, and like the sun is just shining so bright, and I have no friends. All these thoughts just permeated in, and like tried going to a coffee shop to change my environment and feel better tried focusing on breath and loosening the body and 
and then just by the time like four o'clock rolled around, I was just like, I literally don't like this. I don't, I don't like this. Like, and, and I have no one to communicate that to right now. Mm. So I just don't know what to do. I just feel like literally trapped in this world instead of just like I'm existing. <laughs> this is if I'm trapped here. Mm. I don't know if you've ever felt that feeling. Like just existence itself is sort of suffocating. Um, and, pers- and, to, and it feels persistent almost. You're just like, why is this persisting? Mm. Um, Were you on your phone yeah. at all? Yeah, a little bit, but like not 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 to it, because <laughs> yeah, well, and it's just because I have nothing to do. You know, I, I literally don't have anything to do, um, and, I, and I know I'm speaking in huge like general. No, 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 but there is poetry. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't have anything to do. I, I don't work much, and I have like literally no reason to be on campus, and I just wander and think, and I wander and think, and I wander and think, and that's just my existence, and. You know, it's, 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 it's easier to not think about it when like Sophia's here or like Jaden's visiting or I have friends around, but, but once that goes away and it inevitably does, um, I'm just left like this every single time, every single time I can remember. (sighs) This is how I feel after like. I'm just kind of left alone or I'm left with nothing to do. Mm. And um, for some reason why doing is very easy and being is like impossible. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I'm like just sort of Uh, projecting on you. Whoa. Whoa. whoa, Back to front door. First of all, but I mean, it's just, it's very like, it's uh, visceral. It's, I don't, I don't want, want to come off as if I'm frustrated with you. No, no, and, I, like and I, I don't think I've ever gotten that from you. For me, it's like okay. I, I've spoken, I have spoken to you for hundreds of hours at this point, right? <laughs> and so I know in general what, what I think I, I can get close to knowing what you feel, and trust me when I when I <clears throat> when I tell you this when, like this podcast, I can just tell from the beginning that something a was bothering you, right. And then B, as I was talking, it was not resolving it. And that is frustration at the existence of what this is going on. Existence of, uh, you're frustrated at this persistence that what I was saying was not getting to the point. And so I wanted to, A, get to the point of what is really holding up because obviously then I can get to it. And I will say this, first of all, I don't, I don't think, I think where I relate to partly for let's say the the feeling of existence as a prison quite literally for me that has always occurred in the sense that i know that i am putting up this prison for me i think my worst lows were actually last semester when i would go days of barely getting through my classes and then coming home and promising promising myself the world of what i was going to do and then going on my phone for six hours straight and then giving myself an excuse to fall asleep and do any work I needed to get done in the early mornings and wake up groggy and disoriented. Just looking back, I was truly lost. Truly lost in a way of that was not good. And here's the thing. like I'm hearing all of this, this, this dissonance and I genuinely feel like I could help because I feel like I've first of all read I have read some of the most important words of my life in the past like four weeks I just for some reason I've happened to across texts that really speak to who I am and what I like believe in right and and I'm hesitant I really hesitate to offer this as any form of advice to quote-unquote find company in yourself by reading others i i'm really hesitant to say this advice because it 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 can collapse itself into just saying go out and read right (laughs) which is not what i'm trying to say at all in fact even i don't really enjoy going out to read quote unquote but recently for instance a professor of mine mentioned 
how she thinks about her anthropology, which is that she reads Franz Boas, she reads, you know, um, Malinowski, and she imagines that the more she reads, it's like she's downloading her their consciousness, and they kind of sit in like this pantheon in her mind palace. And whenever mm. she's thinking, she gets to talk to them. They're long dead people buried deep five feet below the ground. And yet she's talking to them. It is literally like schizophrenia, but somehow high functioning. Right? Yeah. And and to me, I have I have slowly grown into that sense where I, I can I really feel I, I don't I, I never feel alone when by myself because I'm thinking of the words you don't lately really not no in fact like I think I think it's to this point where I've realized that friends but last year I really treated them more as distractions as people I can get my mind off of the things that I was I I cannot explain or that were bothering me and now that I'm I think maybe at a point where I'm really starting to find company in myself. And this is not about like the fucking Miley Cyrus song of like, oh, I can buy myself flowers. No, it's not this like self-care type bullshit. It is the sense that I am speaking to this, to the supernatural, to the metaphysical. I'm thinking about, and, and this is what prayer is. Attention at its highest form is prayer. And for me, I've just paid attention lately to words written by others that speak a lot to me. Right? I don't fucking remember what they write about for the whole thing, but just random ass quotes. Mm. And it's company, right? Because that means someone else has thought about this. And that somehow it resonates with me. This is not the only way, I think, to approach what you may be going through. Right. Yeah, but, but that is nice what you said. I, right. And I, I don't know. I think. Well, can I say something? Sure, go ahead. Um, and, and what you said did resonate just now. Um, and I, I just watched this. So I've, I've been kind of in a desperate attempt to distract myself. Um, I've been watching one movie a night recently. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and yet last night I watched this movie called Patterson. Very applicable to what we've been talking about. It's sort of like, I, I, if I can sum up the movie in one sentence, it's, or multiple sentences, it's uh before enlightenment gather, gather, uh, Gather water, cut wood. After enlightenment, gather water and cut wood. But it's like, I, I don't, I don't buy that for some reason. Like, I, I can't believe, like, I can't believe that I can just walk around, like, feeling this level of loneliness and being just like, just having this schedule, this like lack of friends, this lack of things to do. And then I just can like go outside with a book and, and walk around and like maybe occasionally chat with a stranger and like sit down on a bench and like write poetry and then find, find like what I need, find like this happiness from that. Like, like I, for some reason, there's a part of me that, that almost longs for that. But there's a part of me that's especially loud today that is like, no, like that is, you cannot like, like that's, that's not real. Like no one has ever found happiness. They're just lying to themselves just by like living a life like that, like a life of simplicity. Um, but it's like, I know that I know, like I, there's, the, the, there's, there's a voice in me that is like a beautiful voice that knows that I can be happy like this. <sighs> but I just like have been struggling, man. And it's been harder and harder to believe that like I can be enlightened with this life that I'm currently living. Mm. I don't know. No, I hear that. Damn, this is... What's frustrating on my end for myself is that I feel like I'm at that stage where I've at this point heard and 
I guess, seen a lot of things that I know would be helpful to share and to say. But I'm not at the point where I think I can collect them all in a cohesive thought. Right. And that's okay. I, but like, I just, I just want to ask you, like, like it is like, like, for example, the main character in Patterson is literally a bus driver in New Jersey who writes poetry, has a girlfriend and like lives almost the same day every single day. But he just has this like, like calmness about him. And I'm like, can, can you believe like, I, and I know you can, but can you believe that someone can find peace and happiness and a sense of enlightenment while being a bus driver in New Jersey? So what's the assumption there that you think it can't? Because if I, I put myself in, in their shoes and I'm like, I can't believe that myself living that life. Like for some reason why recently, and I, this is probably the depression talking, obviously, and the loneliness talking, but I, I can't believe like that I can foster happiness in that situation. And that it's like, I need to change this situation. I, I think I need to change the situation. If I can sum up my frustrations lately is I'm, I'm really longing to change the situation, you know, to put more people around me, to join more clubs and do more things and exercise more and go on hikes more and find a romantic interest and sort of just hoping that those things will solve the issue, I guess. Right. I will point out that everything you mentioned there is a form of doing. And I I don't know how to say this in a way that I, I don't think what I say here now is something that you're meant to believe in. I think what I say here now will enter your subconscious or unconscious and merge with the pool of your thoughts that are amorphous until they come up. And maybe it can help you inform your own story of how this works. But I will say this. I I've felt if I can if I can at all invoke a sense of hubris in for a brief moment, I have felt an exponential sense of growth in my own spirituality in the past, honestly, like five weeks. Like ever since I came back from New York. Um, and I think I have started doing more by just being. Right. And, and I don't, I don't think it's, useful for me to elaborate on that any further i think i think the sense of being is something that you will slowly it's like it's like your own flower vase right i think we are all given flower vases to fill up our own definitions with right mm. i i can only give you this flower right now and it's up to you to it to include all the other flowers in your vase of what being means to you but for me, I will send you an article by, I think, the one person who's, who's been speaking me, to me the most in my pantheon, Simone Vale. And the title of this article is How to Approach Studies with the Love of God in Mind, or something like that. I think it's slightly worded differently. And I maybe understand like 20% of it. And within that 20%, only 5% speak to me. But that 5% speaks to me like as if it has found a resonant chord that shakes every cell in my brain. And that's, and honestly, it, if in a 100-page book, if only two words do that to you, I think it was worth reading it. So I will send this to you and at any point, it doesn't have to be tonight, or maybe it never shows up. And you, maybe you never read it. It doesn't matter. But if you do decide to read it out of simple curiosity, and almost maybe as a sense of prayer, read this and in any way feel a sense of, of, a, of a greater story behind all of this. If you do, which you might not, and that will be okay. Um, let me know what you feel. But I that's will. really all I can, all I really 
feel like I should and need to provide and share. But I think what I can say for, the only thing I can say for certain is I am understanding a lot more of where you are. I can almost, I can almost see you situated in, in such, uh, for me, what I see is that somehow the distance between you and another person, even though it could be 30 feet away when they're passing you by, for all soulful spiritual reason, purposes is equivalent to light years. You have yeah. light year separation with anyone else around you. And it is that feeling of floating in deep space where what's that phrase of like if 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 you shoot a bullet into space in a certain way at a certain direction it will never hit any other object ever again statistically speaking that feeling that persistence this is what i'm getting at from what you are saying i'm slowly beginning to understand and this will help me as well when we talk further better communicate that part if you are still feeling that but i will send this article please and and this has been nice this has been nice um because you've given me emotional connection as well david so it's yeah (sighs) thank you yeah of course of course um I'll be thinking a lot about what loneliness means because I think one can feel lonely in the literal right smack middle of a friend group. Right? Yeah. Be all yeah. laughing at the sushi table and you can still feel the loneliest person in this world. And so there's yeah. a paradox there and it's something that I'm, I think I'm beginning to craft my story around. Um, but I think it, for me at least it comes from a place of understanding do people know me right like i wrote in my journal like this is my creation story in the beginning there was love and then it split so that it can self-perceive itself and one side of it it's to know and the other side is to be known and you have known a lot of people cal you have known so many people and you have given the gift of knowing someone else because it feels good to be known. To be known is the receiving end of love. To know is the giving side of love. And combined, it is the expression of love. That is my Adam and Eve story, basically. Yeah, yeah. And and if you feel imbalanced, if you've feel like you've given a lot more knowing than you have received of being known that could feel incredibly lonely that is incredibly lonely that is love without its repair that is an intake of breath without an exhale and this pent-upness and and you know that's it's hurtful so i can only provide you know, my own share of what that exhale is. And from there, the hope is that that little leak of exhale finally lets your lungs be able to relax and and be. And it's a slow, almost imperceptible change, I think. But we're on it now. At least I know more where you are. Yeah. That to me matters. Yeah. Well, thank thank you, David. Of course. Um, This one's going to be messy. We have like three clips here for some reason. Just the the last two, I think. The first one was like weird. Send yeah. you four files. I'm gonna. I won't, I'm literally publishing four episodes all at once. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds good. Yeah, we're gonna have plenty of content. We literally we've we've created seven hours worth of content. I think in the past <laughs> week and a half. 
There's just literally no way anyone could crack into all of this. <laughs> no, yeah. 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 Wow. Sounds good. Damn. All right. Well, this is um, how David and Cal felt on March 1st, 2023.